Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of April 14, 2019. We apologize for not posting a new Soundprints last week. The 2019 Kentucky Council of the Blind Crossroads Conference was on Saturday, April 6, and we were just not able to get a program together in time to post it on Sunday. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind held its spring quarterly meeting this past Friday, April 12, and we elected officers for the coming two years. They are Bill Wright, President, Deb Lewis, First Vice President, Josh Gentry, Second Vice President, Natalie Couch, Secretary, and Deanna Scoggins, Treasurer. We held an auction at the quarterly meeting instead of the traditional bargain table, and we're excited to report that we raised just over $1,100. $800 of that amount will help support GLCB activities, and $300 will be divided between the Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana, Tri-State Library Users, and the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision. Speaking of crossroads, the conference was a huge success. We had hoped for 20 to 25 participants. Our actual attendance was 41. The theme was Remember the Member. All of the general and small group sessions centered around recruiting and retaining members. We had two keynote speakers, David Moose, past district governor of Lions Multiple District 43N, and past president, Louisville East Lions Club, and Dan Dillon of Nashville, Tennessee, member of the ACB Board of Directors and past president of the Tennessee Council of the Blind and the Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind. Dan is also the ACB liaison for the Kentucky Council of the Blind. We think you'll enjoy his talk from the general session right after lunch at Crossroads. Listen on page 2. Jeff Bishop is a member of the ACB Board of Directors. Jeff was the ACB representative at the 2016 KCB Conference and Convention. We feature an article about Jeff from the American Foundation for the Blind website on page 3. And on page 4 is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. May I have your attention, please? I'm going to ask God. Uh, Adam Rushable to do our invocation for lunch. Thank you very much. You know, sometimes when we pray, we often are asking for God's blessings. And, you know, it might be something like, Dear Lord, please help my favorite sports team win. You know, but uh, I read a book one time by Harry Kimmel, uh, a rabbi's small mystery book and in there he uh, talks about different ways that uh, people pray and sometimes in the Christian way we say give us this day our daily bread and the Jewish form is thanks be to God for the earth from whence cometh the grain and I've thought about that because Thanksgiving is a good way to pray and so today, 
We thank our God for letting us be together, for learning, for helping each other, and for the food that we will receive in nourishment of his service. Amen. We interrupt this meal with an unscheduled announcement. I am big into recycling. And I recently learned that aluminum, which is one of the most recyclable metals and materials we have, 20% of the world's recycled aluminum, 20% of the world's recycled aluminum is processed in Berea, Kentucky. That's the good news. The bad news is, in America alone, every year, we throw away $700 million worth of aluminum. So I have resolved never again to throw an aluminum can in the trash. So, uh, if you're drinking from an aluminum can or from a plastic bottle today, and you'll just leave those on the table, I will gather them up and make sure they get recycled. May I have your attention, please? While you are finished eating, and wasn't that a great lunch? We are going to uh, continue with our program. And um, the ACB Way, not an exclusive club, by Dan Dillon, and he's from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, a member of the ACB Board of Directors and past president of the Tennessee Council of the Blind. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Dillon. Hello everyone. We got the mic set up and a little later I'm going to ask Mr. Rushevall if I could use his guitar just so we could have a little audience participation at the end of this presentation so don't go away. <clears throat> um, yes, uh, um, I want to talk about uh, a little bit about the, the ACB way and uh, I'm going to refer uh, a lot to uh, the Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind uh, throughout this presentation which is the local chapter in Nashville as to what we're doing to bring in uh, members, retain members and maybe get into a little fundraising and things like that but um, it's a mutual relationship between ACB and members or your local chapter and members because uh, the local chapters, the state affiliates, the national organization, ACB, we need members. We need active members. We need uh, worker bees. Uh, but then people, people need ACB or they need MTCB or KCB to advocate for him for them and <clears throat> there's a lot of strength in numbers one person can go to the state legislature and talk to representatives that that helps but it's nothing like a, a group of several people going to talk to their, their representatives or talk to the mayor this type of thing there's strength in numbers so um, and the American Council of the Blind, we're not, we're not an exclusive a group. 
we welcome anybody, everybody, and we what we like to do is is put them to work. Um, uh, first, we've got to uh, get them to join, though. And my thinking is, when you when a person joins an organization, they they want to know, well, wh what am I going to get out of this? So. I think that the, the chances uh, are better to um, to get new members by offering something to them. Uh, for example, um, the Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind has a good working relationship to the Tennessee Performing Arts Center. Um, we, uh, we get a discount from the uh, Tennessee Performing Arts Center, or TPAC, but then we give our members more of a discount. And for Broadway shows for, at, uh, that they have at uh, TPAC. So in many, in many cases, uh, we, we charge $10 for our local dues. Five, then $5 goes to uh, the Tennessee Council of Blind and $5 goes to the American Council of the Blind. So for $20, you can join the Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind. In many cases, though, they get that $20 back if they go to one or two Broadway shows at TPAC. Other things we do, we uh, in order to promote audio description, um, we give away three movie passes per year. So that's worth about almost $30 right there. So, um, and we, we do that to encourage people to go to audio described movies at the Regal Theaters in Nashville. Also, um, we have a, a blind bowling program. We, we subsidize that program. Every other uh, bowling outing is paid for by the Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind. We have a blind golf program. We have um, a tandem bike riding program. We have a book club. And the first Saturday of each month, we have uh, what we call supper club. It's just, uh, and we don't, we don't pay for that, but we invite members or prospective members to join us at a local restaurant, and it's a great way. We many um, many times we invite bless you. Many times we invite um, prospective members to, to 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 join us for supper club. That way we can tell these people of, of, about the Mid Tennessee Council of the Blind, what we're all about, and and, and many times after they attend uh, a supper club, they, they decide to join our organization. We have something for everybody, and and I realize, and you all realize, that people have different talents. I did want to mention something, a couple other things. Um, Mid-Tennessee Council of Blind uh, has a remote mailbox. It's a phone number that people can call if they have questions about vision loss. And for the past uh, few years, we've had a lady manning that phone <clears throat> who is very personable uh, she's very uh, uh, compassionate very patient 
And many of the people that have called that remote mailbox and left a message, and Peggy will return the call and talk to these people, many of them in the process of uh, losing their vision. Uh, many of them, after talking with Peggy, who can empathize with them and uh, it's a, I guess you'd call peer support uh, program. Many of those people end up joining Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind. And we use a service called Magic Jack, which I've told a number of people here that I'm not very high tech, but you can go to magicjack.com and set up a remote mailbox and it's really quite cheap. Uh, I believe we were using at one time AT&T, which cost us over $50 a month for that phone service. And now with Magic Jack, it's only 5 or $6 a month. So it's, it's quite a good deal. So uh, do we have any questions? Let me tell you an experience, and then I'll ask my question. When I was pastoring in West Memphis, uh, I knew one of my church members had gone into a psychiatric hospital, but I didn't know if she was still there when I wanted to go visit her. So I called the hospital, and the nurse, of course, said, given the HIPAA rules and all, I, said, hey, I asked if that person by name was a, a patient there. And she said, I'm not allowed to give you that information. <clears throat> I said, okay, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> If I drove all the way across Memphis on the chance that my church member is still there and I could visit with her, do you think that would be a good use of my time? <laughs> and the nurse said, I think that would be an excellent use of your time. <laughs> so I made the visit. So my question, uh, Dan, is given the privacy rules and all, um, schools for the Blind and other groups like that cannot give you the names of their people, but have you found creative legal ways to get around that so that you're able to make contact with good prospective members? Well, what, what that may, it makes me think, the first thing that comes to mind is the Library for the Blind is not going to give you a list of their patrons because that would be a privacy issue. But what, what they will do, what the Libraries for the Blind will do, if, if, um, if you send them a, a newsletter or a, you know, a, a information letter about your organization, they will, they will send that letter to all their patrons in, in that area. Um, we've done that. Uh, the Tennessee Council of Mind did that when we were trying to uh, revive our Chattanooga chapter, which eventually, unfortunately, eventually, uh, eventually it folded up, uh, which was a sad thing. But we really tried to save that chapter. So thanks to the um, the library for the Tennessee Library for the Blind, I mean they sent out well over uh, 250. Uh, of our letters, and that's that's kind of sad when you try that hard and you and you still uh, you still fail. But <clears throat> but we did it, and uh, we tried. And I'm trying to think uh, positive, Amanda. So uh, so, any other questions?
Mid-Tennessee Council was doing, you, you had an amazing, a great list of activities. Some of those activities are not cheap. Those audio described, uh, audio described plays at the Tennessee um, Arts, Tennessee Center for the Arts, the, those tickets, at least in Kentucky, those tickets are, are, are not, not inexpensive. They keep going up, unfortunately. Yes, so mm -hmm. my question is, even though we're not talking about fundraising today, can you give us a quick, uh, like a review of how you raise the funds for those types of activities within your group and the numbers, just a, a, a rough number of say how many people you're sending, they're taking advantage of your, uh, of things like your audio described place. Well, first of all, <clears throat> we only give those tickets to people that, that uh, have made a commitment to attend these audio described movies. We don't just give those out to yeah. every member. That's one thing, you know. At Tennessee Performing Arts Center, we we can we continue to subsidize the cost of those tickets, but uh, you know, but you all know everything is going up. So um, it's it's not quite as a, as good a deal for our members as it once was, but. We have done a number of fundraisers over, over, over the years, and uh, in the past two or three years, the most successful fundraiser we've had is Trivia Night. And we've raised, it takes a lot of work, uh, but we've raised four or $5,000 with our Trivia Night. How do you do that? I mean... Well, we form, okay, we form a committee, Trivia Night Committee. And we have people on that committee. This is going to be a good segue into the finale here of my presentation. Because we have somebody in charge of food, because we give finger food away to, uh, to all our participants in Trivia Night. We have somebody in charge of selling uh, the tables or selling the chairs. We sell chairs like for $25. We sell the table of six for $150. And, that's usually my job. Um, and we have people in charge of pub pub publicity and, uh, gosh, I don't know, se several, several different uh, areas. And the, 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 the objective is to all work together and do, everybody do their job in their particular area and come out with a successful fundraiser. So, uh, but we've, we've had walks over the years. We've sold uh, items and, uh, it, and it's, uh, it I know we're not talking about fundraising, but in order to have the activities and programs to attract new members, you've got to raise the money to, to have those programs and activities. On the trivia uh, fundraiser, do you advertise and sell tickets to the public or is this just done from within your group? No, we, we advertise to the public, but we, we, we put out flyers and things like this, but we haven't had much success uh, putting, putting out flyers. Uh, most of our success is, uh, is, is selling tables and chairs to our, our members and friends and, and uh, family of, of members. Um, 
But something really cool happened uh, this past year. We we held the um, trivia night fundraiser at uh, an American Legion. Well, uh, the ladies auxiliary at this American Legion formed a team, so they bought a table for $150. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I want to ask you about, uh, while we have the opportunity, uh, about the Tennessee participation in the walk. Uh, because the, uh, the walk is coming up, that's the right. Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk right. is, is going to be coming up again, and ACB's goal is to raise $100,000 for right. that walk this year. And um, and the, this, the first year that the walk was held was in 2009. Sure. Actually, a couple years before that, then, um, I'm sure that you remember too, you and, you and Patty walked off a route yeah, we hoping did. we'd get that going in Minneapolis yeah, in 2007. Right. It didn't quite happen. You're exactly right. Yeah, but y'all took a long walk anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I'm interested to know, because the walk is uh, also another good um, fundraiser for a local group can be in kentucky our e-racers team we split our whatever kentucky uh, receives from the walk which is half of what is donated for the e-racers we split that with our chapters um, so uh, can you tell us you all are always ahead of us in the walk and can you tell us how you raise money on the walk are you raising it from outside or from within uh, both okay but what I what I do is uh, well uh, most of you know that uh, that I was married to Brenda Dillon for over 13 years and then she she passed away and uh, but in keeping up with her illness and then her passing uh, I we had a friend of ours who who made up a, 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 a email list so we could s to, to send out to family and friends to keep up with with Brenda's illness and uh, so I every year I contact my friend and I have her send out this list to all these people, and uh, this list been, the list has been around well for you know, uh, uh, seven years at least. And uh, I have to re I have to update it every year, and uh, because we we have the walk in different cities, and you know, and update the date and all the information. So that's where we get a lot of our donations from sending out that, that, that email list. And, um, but then I, con I contact a lot of people individually with, with phone calls and emails. And people have a choice. They can, they can sign up for the walk and, or, or send in a contribution to the ACB office, or they can, they can they can send a donation to me every year. I, when I go to the convention, I've, I've got a, a, a large envelope full of um, contributions that I turn in. And, uh, but but any, anybody can do that, you know. The, um, any, any state affiliate can do it, or you can do it individually. You can contact family and friends. And you all probably know that you don't even have to go to the convention. You can, you, in fact, you don't even have to walk. You can be a virtual walker. And uh, 
So you can walk around, you can walk around in circles or not walk at all, um, but, but make a contribution um, to, to ACB or ask your friends, co-workers, family to make donations. And, that, and that's how it becomes a fundraiser for your affiliates when you get those contributions from outside of, of your own chapter. Right, and you, yeah. and you, you can choose to, as you mentioned, you, you, can, you can split 50-50. Right. So in the past several years, well, I think the erasers probably have done this, probably brought in around $2,000 or close to mm -hmm. it, I would think. And yes. That helps out a lot. And then, then you can put some of that money towards these programs and activities to attract uh, new members. We were talking about uh, I, there several examples of this. Where people have different talents. And when you get to know the new members and you see an opportunity to, to put them to work, if they're willing, then do that. And. And in cases where you have people serving on a committee, where they can do different things, uh, do their, where they have talent. And, and a, a good example is back to the fundraiser where you've got somebody in charge of food and somebody in charge of publicity and somebody in charge of uh, the goodie bags and somebody, you know. But so everybody is doing something different but if they do their job well, you're going to have a successful fundraiser or a successful social outing or a successful uh, membership drive if everybody does their job well. So, a little example of that. Don't pay any attention to the guitar being out of tune. But. I want to divide the room up, okay, in uh, two halves, right. and I guess the, the podium is probably in the middle. Yes. The people to my left, here's a song, I, I want you all to sing with me, I want you to sing loud, drown out the guitar this out of tune. <laughs> rock my soul in the bosom of Abraham, rock my soul in the bosom of Abraham, Rock my soul in the bosom of Abraham. Oh, rock my soul. Sing loud. Rock my soul in the bosom of Abraham. Rock my soul in the bosom of Abraham. Rock my soul in the bosom of Abraham. Oh, rock my soul. I know you can do better, but to my right, <clears throat> I want you folks to sing. Same melody. Different words. It's so high, can't get over it so low, can't get under it so wide, can't get around it. Oh, rockin' my soul. One more time. So high, I can't get over it so low, I can't get under it so wide, I can't get around it. Oh, rockin' my soul. Rock my soul in the bosom of Abraham. Rock my soul in the bosom of Abraham. Rock my soul, bosom of Abraham. Oh, rock my soul. Other side, so high, I can't get over it so low. 
I can't get under it so wide. Can't get around it, oh, rockin' my soul. Everybody together, so I oh. There you go. Hey. Good. Great. Louder. Oh, rockin' my soul. Keep singing. and come out with a great result. So thank you for listening. Okay. Page three. The following article, a profile of Jeff Bishop, program manager, Microsoft Corporation, was posted on ACB Leadership on April 12, 2019. This article from the American Foundation for the Blind, AFB, profiles one of our ACB board members, Jeff Bishop. The article is from afb.org. You may not think that one person can be both a computer nerd and popular, but it's possible. In reflecting on his own growth and development as a programmer, Jeff Bishop describes himself as a 7th grade nerd at the Arizona School for the Blind, writing programs and figuring out how things work. In contrast to the socially awkward, unstylish stereotype that you might think of when you hear the word nerd, however, Jeff Bishop has an irresistibly warm and open spirit that draws others to him. His gratitude for where life has led him is profound. When he talks about computers, he sounds like a friend describing something wonderful, and you want to know more. Today, Jeff Bishop is a program manager on the Windows Accessibility Team at Microsoft. The idea for this Access World article was sparked by an Internet presentation Bishop gave on improvements that have been made to the Windows Narrator screen reader. If there is one tiresome statistic that everyone connected with blindness and low vision has heard already too often, it is the 70% unemployment rate for people with visual impairments. What is it, I wondered, that leads one person who is blind to a job he loves, a job where his talent is clearly respected, and where he has the joy of knowing he is contributing to a product's usability for his peers? Why does he continue to be employed while other people with visual impairments do not? What are the steps that led to success, and how can currently unemployed people with visual impairments learn from someone who has taken them? Early Life and Attitudes Jeff Bishop has always worked. He has always expected to have a career and earn a paycheck. His perception of the origins of his success are clear. First, growing up as a blind child, his parents encouraged him to do everything he possibly could. He rode bikes. He roller skated. He played hard and worked hard in school. 
His parents, he says, were absolutely involved in everything he did and encouraged him to reach higher. When a serious bout with spinal meningitis put him behind in school, requiring that he repeat the first grade, he struggled initially to learn Braille. His mom worked with him every night at the kitchen table, learning enough Braille herself to be a valuable coach. His mom's determination that he learn to read and write Braille was critical, he says, as Braille has had a tremendous impact on his career. In high school and college, before we had electronic Braille, he lugged around multiple oversized volumes of Braille books. Math, in particular, he says, would be impossible without Braille. Later, as Braille displays emerged, he has always used them in his work. From using that first 20-cell VersaBraille 2 to displays boasting 80 cells or as few as 14 Braille cells, Braille has been essential to Bishop's professional success. Both parents grasped every opportunity to encourage him to stretch mentally and physically. At the grocery store, his mom told him the prices of things, and he added them mentally for her, using the math tricks his dad had taught him. One day, his dad told him they were going camping. When they arrived, it turned out that the core plan was to teach Jeff to water ski. He revels in the memory, describing it as a perfect example of how his parents never treated his blindness as a dead end, but rather a prompt for finding a detour. They dug in to find workarounds for anything that he wanted to do. When he became interested in amateur radio, his dad studied theory with him. And when he became interested in computers, it was his dad who researched and found which product in the exploding field of home consumer electronics might be most accessible to a kid who couldn't see the screen. Quote, Braille makes it possible to see layout and design in a way that I can't imagine would be possible for a blind person otherwise, Bishop says. I see it as an absolutely essential tool to do my job. End of quote. For those before us, Bishop attributes success to those who built the platforms he depends upon in his work. Louis Braille, of course, who invented the tactile reading system, and Dr. Abraham Nimeth, who invented a system for reading and writing mathematics in Braille, are at the top of his list. He also has a long list of computer professionals, blind and sighted, who forged paths for him to follow. Quote, I owe my job today to all the many giants who came before me, he says, rattling off the names like Ted Hinter, creator of the original JAWS screen reading software for DOS, and founder of the company that is now Vispero, Doug Jeffrey, formerly of GW Micro, Glenn Gordon, and Eric Namory, Hinter Joyce, Clarence Wally, GW Micro, and 1980s tech support people like Randy Knapp and Christopher Gray, Arctic and Telesensory Corporation, respectively. Finally, Jeff attributes his ongoing success to the colleagues and supervisors he has had on every job who have believed in his abilities and provided reinforcement for his efforts. Quote, 
They say it takes a village, Jeff says, and in my case, that has been true. I have always had the support and collaboration of those around me, end quote. He cites examples of colleagues getting on board with innovating and discovering alternative methods for him to approach what could have been inaccessible computing environments. Career Path Jeff Bishop's first computer was a Commodore 64, where Jeff cut his teeth in basic programming and assembly language and enjoyed old-style Infocom games when he wasn't studying for school. Jeff continued to study programming in high school and even partnered with schoolmates to develop a way of getting computer code output using Morse code. Quote, there were short beeps and longer beeps, he says, poking a little finger at those rudimentary beginnings. It worked well enough that he got an A in the class. Bishop also received assistance from others to read the computer screen which laid the groundwork for his further career. He studied computers in college, both at Pima University College and the University of Arizona, but went to work before graduating. He had married, was beginning a family, and was offered an opportunity to work as a technical writer for interactive information systems. On a 20-cell Braille display in Tucson, he worked on mainframes that were on the East Coast. It was the beginning of a long and happy career working out accessibility wrinkles with the support of fellow workers. Next, Bishop had an opportunity to move to California to work for Disney's Imagineering. He would be writing the software that was used by developers to track the building of thrill-seeker rides like Space Mountain. Always moving forward, he worked for the coding industry, the automotive industry, on software used to screen new employees and more. When Microsoft opened a call center in Arizona in 1995, he went to work for his favorite company for the first time. Until then, he had been using Arctic Business Vision, JAWS for DOS, and an 80-cell Braille display that made layout entirely feasible for a blind person. Windows was introduced shortly before his 1995 job with Microsoft began, so he was excited to learn Windows and the program he supported, Microsoft Access. Co-workers and supervisors were quick to help him innovate and problem-solve, always working around accessibility issues. Sometimes, he recalls, he was able to perform new tasks in Access faster than the sighted customer he was coaching. In 2001, he had an opportunity to go to work for the University of Arizona, a job that would hold him longer than any previous rung on his career ladder. At the University of Arizona, Bishop became an IT analyst, working on student information systems and learning management systems. Most tools were fully accessible. When technological barriers meant his career was temporarily thrown into disruption, he was moved to work on a fully accessible platform called Desire to Learn. Even beyond the work environment, Bishop has found generous support. As professional and advocacy opportunities required that he do more public speaking, he enrolled in Toastmasters to polish his skills. Like most people blind from birth, gestures 
and facial expressions were not instinctive to him. Quote, Sighted people do things with their hands, their eyes, their faces to help communicate ideas, he says, that we as blind people aren't always aware of. End of quote. Toward the goal of learning those visual nuances, he recalls a time when a fellow Toastmaster stood behind him while he delivered a speech in order to coach him through newly learned gestures. Moving to Washington. Bishop says that his 16 years at the University of Arizona were great years, but in 2017, he was offered the opportunity to work for what many in his field might see as a career pinnacle, Microsoft. He and his wife moved to Kirkland, Washington in July of 2017. Bishop is totally blind, has always worked, and is currently at the top of his game. In his new role as a program manager on the Microsoft Windows Accessibility Team, he is exploring and innovating ideas that benefit blind and low-vision computer users everywhere. He attributes his success to 1. Parents who believed in his abilities, 2. Learning to read and write Braille, and 3. Always being surrounded by people who are supportive of his work and willing to innovate and collaborate when workarounds are needed. And how has he managed to tap into those supportive environments? He is thoughtful for a moment and then explains, quote, When something doesn't work for me, a form isn't accessible, for example, I explain that to others. I try to do it gently and clearly, and the result is that I am teaching them something, and they are usually teaching me as well. Sharing that needed approach to make something accessible to me makes me more effective, but it makes other members of my team more effective as well. It's important to be careful and to be kind. End of quote. Bishop is effusive with gratitude for the mentors and giants who paved the way, as well as for sighted co-workers who work alongside him. Quote, I have always been so lucky to work with tremendous, amazing people. I am so thankful for that. What he doesn't say is that his own nature goes a long way toward enlisting that appreciated support from others. He clearly learned at an early age to give as well as take, to teach and encourage others to innovate with him rather than demand. He is generous with his time, giving back by advocating for other blind people in his role as a board member of the American Council of the Blind and making online presentations to share information that might enhance the lives of other blind people. His easy manner and affability are a winning combination that entices others to engage in problem-solving with him and are qualities that aspiring blind professionals in any field would do well to emulate. Bishop loves his job, and the rest of us will undoubtedly benefit from the talent he brings to enhancing computer accessibility. Page 4, The Sound Prince Calendar on April 18, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have an assistive technology demonstration. This is from 1 to 2 p.m. Sam Seavey will be discussing the brand new Blind Shell mobile phone, a full-featured mobile phone designed specifically for the visually impaired. BCB Assistive Technology Access Center, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. 
For more information, call 859-259-1834. April 19, the GLCB Roundabout will include Education and Technology from 3.30 to 5, Discussion Time from 5 to 6, Dinner 6 to 7, $6 per person, Bargain Table 7 to 7.30, and Bingo $2 per person from 7.30 to 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. April 20, Easter Holiday Open House at the APH Museum. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Visitors can write their names in Braille, see a book from Helen Keller's Bible, learn about guide dogs, play games, and read books designed for children who are blind, and enjoy many other activities. Easter treats and lemonade will be served for all ages. For more information, call the APH Museum at 502-899-2213. On April 21, the KSB alumni will hold a board meeting at 8 p.m. at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. April 22 will be the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana conference call meeting. This is a membership meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On April 22, the Supportive Alliance of the Visually Impaired will hold a budget committee meeting at 8 p.m. Central Time at 669-900-6833, enter code 3572-595-193. April 23, ACB Next Generation will have a Nationwide Organization Development Committee conference call. 8 p.m. by phone, Eastern Time. ACB members and other individuals under the age of 40 are invited to join this nationwide call to explore the possibilities of organizing a national special interest affiliate within ACB. Dial 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. For more information, contact Amanda Salm at 502 Seven five zero one seven seven four, or email her at alsmoot s m o o t eight seven at gmail dot com. April twenty four, Bluegrass Council of the Blind will hold a peer support group meeting from noon to two p.m. Vince Riggs, Fayette County Circuit Court Clerk, will address the advisability and the process for obtaining Kentucky's new IDs and the situations where a standard driver's license or personal ID will continue to be acceptable. At the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington, call 859-259-1834 for more information and to sign up. April 25, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next peer support group meeting this is an in-person meeting in Louisville from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. This is a great activity for those who have begun experiencing vision loss or who have had low vision for several years at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On April 26, Savvy, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, will hold a workshop. This is in Owensboro. And it is on Android phone accessibility and app sharing. 
from 10 a.m. to noon Central Time. Join us to learn about Android accessibility and some popular apps at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-8689. Also on April 26 is a GLCB roundabout. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites everyone to participate in individualized education and technology activities from 3.30 until 5. Then there will be a tip sheet from 5 to 5.30, page turners from 5.30 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, $6 per person, KCB Next Generation activity, games and crafts from 7 until 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. Please call 502-895-4598 to let us know you'll be attending. April 27, the old ball game from 1 to 3 p.m. at the APH Museum. Can athletes who are blind play baseball? Of course they can, in the adaptive version of America's favorite pastime called beep ball. Whether in the batter's box or in the field, athletes rely on their auditory sense to focus on the beeping ball and the buzzing bases. The first documented game of baseball was played at the Kentucky School for the Blind in 1894. 125 years later, we're showing you how it's played now. At the APH Museum, 1839 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. Sign up by calling 502-899-2213. On April 27, ACB Next Generation will have a Saturday Night Live chat hangout at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. ACB members and other individuals under the age of 40 are invited to join this nationwide Saturday night chat focusing on a designated topic. For questions, contact Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774. The phone number will be 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. On April 28, the 7th Annual BCB Sea Cruise will take place. This is from 4 to 8 p.m. Enjoy live music from Concrete Public, food and drink specials, auctions, raffle, and more. At Banners, 3650 Boston Road in Lexington. For more information, contact 859-259-1834. This is a major fundraiser for the Bluegrass Council of the Blind. On April 28, ACB families will have a support group meeting. It's at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering 796096. On April 29, Savvy will have a board meeting. This is a planning meeting for a bowling fundraiser at 7 p.m. Central Time on the conference line at 669-900-6833, intercode 3572-595-193. And now, here are some activities for May. On May 2, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its conference call at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Excellent opportunity to share ideas about how to become involved in local Lions clubs. Open to current Lions, former Lions, and anyone who would like to become a Lion. 
at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. On May 4, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have a derby party from 10.30 a.m. until 7.30 p.m. Doors open at 10 a.m. Plan to come early, stay late, and enjoy friends, games, and food all day. The cost is $6 per person. Sign up by calling 502-895-4598. Also on May 4, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired will have a bowling outing. From 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. Central Time, this is at Diamond Lanes Midtown at 1901 Triplet Street in Owensboro. Register by calling 270-684-4418 by noon on May 3. Savvy will pay for rental of up to two lanes. If additional lanes are needed, the $38 cost per lane will be divided equally among participants. Everyone is responsible for shoe rental, $2.25, snacks, etc. On May 5, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its committee meetings. The advocacy meeting will be at 7 p.m. And the Education, Activities, and Technology Committee, the EAT Committee, will meet at 8 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444 to participate. On May 6, a Savvy Program Committee will meet at 7 p.m. Central Time at 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595-193. On May 7, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its statewide conference call meeting. At 8 p.m., we will use the conference number 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. Individuals statewide experiencing low vision are encouraged to ask questions, share tips, and offer comments. On May 8, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its conference call meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155619. For more information about NKCB, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. On May 8, KCB PR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. at 669-900-6833, intercode 3572-595-193. On May 9, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its first support group meeting in person in Louisville for May from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On May 10, will be a GLCB roundabout. From 3.30 until 5, we will have individual education and technology activities such as Braille, iPhone tips, genealogy, and more. There will be a special speaker from 5 until 6. That will be Bobby Holsclaw, Jefferson County Clerk, will visit us to talk about accessible voting. There will be dinner from 6 to 7, $6 per person, bargain table 7 to 7.30, bingo $2 per person from 7.30 until 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, sign up by calling 
895-4598. On May 11, TLCB will hold its May board meeting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time by conference call. The number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On Sunday, May 12, the Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation Chapter will meet by conference call at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the regular monthly chapter meeting for visually impaired people 40 and under in Kentucky. Dial 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. On May 12, ACB Families will have its regular monthly meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096. On May 14, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its monthly chapter meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Mark your calendars and plan to join us for this fun social activity. Details will be coming soon at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or share a lot at 270-686-8689. On May 14, the Savvy Board will hold a conference call meeting at 7 p.m. Central Time at 669 669- Nine zero zero six eight three three. The code is three five seven two five nine five one nine three. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at five zero two eight nine five four five nine eight, or email us at kcb at kentucky acb dot org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.